Welcome back to the Water and Stone Church podcast. This is episode number 72, and I am Jenny Randolph. And I'm Dieter Randolph, and this is the sound of my voice. As we gather around this time, there's a couple of things that I want to talk about. As always. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, it, it would be not a very good podcast <laughs> if podcast. we didn't have there's anything. There's nothing that we would like to talk about. To talk about. Well, there's, so. there's a million things going on. I always think that it's funny that, that we have to figure out just a couple to uh, to share. People what? like us, and I think people like to listen to us. They just don't like us that much. They like us. They don't like us like us. <laughs> anyway, so I wanted to talk about an amazing book that I'm reading, mm. and it is by Neil deGrasse Tyson, and it's called Astrophysics for People in a Hurry. And I'm eagerly awaiting you finishing this because I'm waiting for my turn. I cannot wait. It is delightful. It is funny. And it's brilliant. And if anybody knows me, I am a big math and science nerd. Mm -hmm. I am that part of the brain that is completely (laughs) rational, list making. Everything is in order. Everything has to make sense. Scratches that itch. Absolutely. I am. I am absolutely er on the side of head over heart Mm -hmm. a lot of the times. Well, and it's funny because. I'm really excited about this book, too, and I'm a huge Neil deGrasse Tyson fan as well. Uh, take a minute, if you're in front of a computer, and, and look for anything he's said or done ever on YouTube, basically. But we've done a lot of work with teens, our own children and homeschooling them, but a lot of the work we've done with teens, and we've helped a lot of them study for exams, get into college, do that kind of stuff. And it's always been our honor, but the the running joke that's not really a joke has been if you need something done like math or science, things like that, you go to Jenny and she will help you. But if you need something that can earn you absolutely no money and not get you any further in life, come to me and I will help you with that stuff. Between the two of us, we have a pretty good uh, – we run the gamut. And I have to say that I'm just as excited about this book as you are, but I think maybe for different reasons. Well, I was going to say, we uh, obviously, we approach – things differently we're different people um Mm. but i think a lot of the times i come at my spirituality head first um heart second sometimes it's i think it's a little bit more difficult for me to get into that feeling place um but science for me and all of it and if and if you have a good scientist they will whether or not they believe in a higher power or whether or not they believe you know in in god specifically they are always working for something bigger than themselves they're always working for a better understanding they're always working for something that is beyond their imagination or their current knowledge and they're always reaching and always and so I think that's one of the reasons that I really love him because mm-hmm. he has said in interviews before that he he does not believe in God and that there there would be empirical evidence and and yada 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 but in the next couple of sentences he will say but however I do believe that there is something that we can explain and that you know and so when if you listen to every anything about that and I think when I first started to unravel my own spirituality it was very much not exactly like that I think I've always believed in in God and a higher power but it had to make sense to me it couldn't just be these arbitrary rules that you follow them and oh don't ask questions and don't and don't go there well, so I love sure. that aspect of we live 
on this planet and there are laws and there are things that, that you know, we have to adhere to. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, we can sometimes literally die. If you don't, <laughs> if you don't believe in gravity, that's, you're, you're you have the right, yeah, but, you have the right well, to not other, believe, but hand, you're going to have the consequences. Gravity also happens whether you like it or not. Right. So there's the other side of it. But I think that what a lot of thinking people are responding to is the Santa Claus idea of God or the Zeus idea where there's a guy in the sky who rewards and punishes sometimes arbitrarily sometimes egotistically I don't believe in that either and actually I'm going to talk about that next Sunday but one of the things that comes up for me is that all of the good scientists the the ones that you know about the heroic ones like Neil deGrasse Tyson or Carl Sagan like Albert Einstein or Richard Feynman or Feynman, I'm not sure how to pronounce it. I've only ever seen it written, but you know who I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. They all have a sense of the artistic. They all have a sense of delight in what they're doing, and there's no there's no reason for delight. You know what I mean? It, there's there's something beyond physical. There's something spiritual about that. So I don't care if you call that God or something else. It doesn't matter. When I think of science stuff, one of the things I think about is when they sent the Voyager probe out. Mm-hmm. Remember the one with the golden record and had languages I do. from I all remember. over? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All that stuff. One of the things on that gold record is um, Earth, Wind, and Fire's Greatest Hits. No, one of the things <laughs> I on was going to say, I don't remember yeah, that. Come on, September. Um, one of the things on that gold record is they had recorded sort of the biorhythms of this woman. So her heart rate and you know various other pieces of data. But the interesting thing was Carl Sagan, who we just mentioned, um, was part of that Voyager team that got to decide what went on the albums and all that. And the day that they recorded her biorhythms was the day that she realized that she had fallen in love with Carl Sagan. And the two of them ended up together and spent their lives together and all that stuff. But I think it's so beautiful that what we sent out into the universe, uh, beyond the facts and figures, is this moment of a spiritual thing, love, being manifest in a physical thing right and i think that's the balance that's what we look for and that's where the magic lives well the third chapter of his book is called let there be light and Mm. obviously he's talking about the big bang and you know and and that sort of stuff but it permeates all of this and there really is just one presence and one power and it doesn't matter what you call it there's there's something brand recognition right there's something bigger there's something bigger and that's what you should try to work for those connections but Absolutely. And talking of head and heart, you know, I think it needs to make sense to both. And my current obsession is this, uh, there's a show that's been around for a while and I'm delighted to say that it's still going. They're still making episodes of it, but we've just discovered it recently. It's a show called Call the Midwife and it's a BBC show like almost every show I like. Look, I can't help it. I grew up in Iowa. We had a couple of channels and we had BBC. So I, I grew up with Doctor Who and Monty Python and that kind of stuff. So this is in my wheelhouse. Call the Midwife is a, a show. You can get it on Netflix. Is where we're, we've been watching it. And it takes place in the late 50s, early 60s time frame in a, a poor suburb of London. And it's a it centers around this, uh, this group of midwives. And some of them are nuns and some of them are not. And they're, they're taking care of the people in this, uh, this town. And along the way, it deals with really complicated issues like equality and, and racism and same-sex unions and, and uh, poverty and adoption and special needs and on and on and on and on. But 
in the context of these people who are balancing a very medical scientific set of concerns Mm -hmm. with a profound commitment to faith. Because like right. I said, a lot of them are nuns. Taking vow of poverty, mm-hmm. taking vow obedience of obedience. Is a big deal. Yeah, and obedience is a big deal it in the show. It factors in a lot. Mm-hmm. But so I love that that one of the things the show was saying, you can go and live in both places at the same time. And in fact, you kind of need to if you're going to make a difference in the world. And so there's just a beauty and a sweetness to this show. Highly recommend. In fact, I'm a little bit sad because we're almost caught up caught up and that means we're current, almost yeah. done and we're gonna have to wait until like christmas or something i think before. they do a christmas special every single year mm-hmm. and then you know there's a couple of weeks before they do their actual season but i i went online and did some snooping and <laughs> they have committed to doing seasons through 2020 so okay we're okay for the next couple of years you'll be all right all you'll right. be all right you all get right. your you get your you get your fix Now we'd like to introduce to you our Sunday worship service for June 24th, 2018. The title of that lesson is The Resurrection and the Life. It is number eight and the final lesson in the I Am series. So the scripture today comes from John eleven twenty-five. 25. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. This is the last of the I Am quotes from the Gospels. And in a lot of ways, it's the most important one. It's also easier to deal with because we don't have to do any cultural stuff. There's no vineyard stuff. There's no shepherd stuff going on in this one. It's a little easier to get our heads around because it's just easy concepts, you know, like resurrection, (laughs) life, you know, no problem. We got that. We understand all of those things. Let's take our opportunity to give. No, I think maybe we should go a little deeper. If everybody's cool with that, I think we ought to go a little bit deeper because there's some context to the story. This quote that's not there anymore, this quote (laughs) happens right around the Lazarus story. Now, do you know the story? You know a little bit about the story, right? It's the time when Jesus and the gang are doing their thing. They're going around talking to everybody and teaching and preaching and healing and doing the things that we know that Jesus and the guys do. And somebody says, Jesus... uh, our friend Lazarus is having a hard time. He's sick. And in so many words, Jesus says, what are you talking about? Have you been around? I mean, we talk about healing all the time and life all the time. He says, the quote is, this does not end in death, this Lazarus thing. Don't worry about it. In so many words. Come on, I got stuff to do. I've got healing to do. Do you understand this work is a big deal? And so he goes on doing the thing, and somebody else comes along and says, no, 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 he's sick. Lazarus is really having a hard time. Now Jesus says, Lazarus is part of this crew. He knows these things. He's been around these ideas. Everybody, the people that he knows, knows these things. It's like, what do you need, another miracle? Was this your card? I mean, what do you need to see in order to get over this? Stop being sad about it. Once again, the quote is, this does not end in death. But as often the case, Jesus says a thing that seems pretty straightforward, and the people around are freaking out and don't hear it, or they hear it and they don't get it. You know, that's kind of the over and over again moment. So Jesus is doing the thing that Jesus does, and they're teaching and preaching and healing, and somebody finally comes and says, he's dead. Lazarus is dead. 
And it's that moment that I, you know, I know I'm reading into it because we weren't there. We don't have a videotape of it. But in my mind, Jesus goes, oh, here we go. It's this wonderful cosmic eye roll of Jesus going, guys, really? Really? I'm in the middle of something over here. I told you. Okay, fine. You know what? It's going to be good. This is here to glorify God, he says in so many words. Lemons, lemonade. We're going to make this okay. Because you guys need to see this, basically. So the quote happens when Jesus is hanging out with Martha, Lazarus' sister. And basically he's talking to Martha and he says, Martha, don't you remember any of this? Come on. There's a couple of times when Jesus weeps, he cries in the Bible. And he never cries because life is hard, because his whole thing is life isn't hard. Life is life. But it's one of those moments where he basically says, guys, come on, please. And he says, haven't you heard any of this? You have the Cliff Notes version, something? Don't you remember any of this stuff? And Martha says, well, I know that we'll all be together someday. I know that someday, and you got the idea, or I get the idea anyway when I read it, that she thinks she's saying the right thing. She's like, I know this is going to get Jesus. This is, this is what he wants to hear. You've done that. You talk to somebody. You know what their triggers are. Whether or not she's into it, she knows, or she thinks she knows, this is what she's supposed to say. I know that someday we'll all get to be together or whatever. Someday it's all going to work out. Think about that with me. Because so often Jesus' message is not someday. The kingdom of heaven is in your midst, in your heart, right now. God is right now. That I am concept is the concept of immediacy. Where is I am? Here. When is I am? Now. So you're getting off on the wrong foot talking to Jesus about someday. But a lot of people don't know that. I mean, it seems pretty straightforward when you read the stuff, right? But how many places can you go where somebody says, suffer now, later on, it's going to be okay. And it's heaven, or it's nirvana, or somebody says, let's all just, someday we'll all get back to the oneness. Come on, you're just changing the nouns again. If it's God, if it's spiritual, if it works, it has everything to do with right now, because that's where God is. So Martha says someday, like so many people in so many religious settings say someday, and Jesus says, no, I am the resurrection and the life. In other words, right now, this is happening now. Wake up. That's sort of Jesus' thing. Wake up. I don't know if he snapped his fingers, but you know. Wake up. Because life is what you're alive to, right? This whole thing is about waking up for what's going on right now. So start to ask yourself, is this waking me up, the thing that I'm doing, the thing that I'm saying, the, the things that I spend my time on? Right now. And this is the part where there's that amazing prayer that, that, that Jesus gives right before the moment, the Lazarus moment. He, got, he gives this prayer, and it's so beautiful. It's so important. I mean, Jesus prays a lot, kind of his thing, but this is one of the, the best times. It's one of my favorite moments, the prayer at Lazarus' tomb. He says, you know, depending on your Bible translation, the words are, might be a little bit different, but roughly he says, 
God, thank you for hearing me. And I know that you hear me always. In fact, I'm only saying this because of these people around. That's the whole prayer. That's the whole thing. And I love that because there's no these and thous and thou art great and I am no good and blah, 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 blah. There's not a long preamble. There's not even an amen or a play ball at the end. If you look at the structure of how you're supposed to pray, none of those things are in there. It's a great prayer because it reminds us that sometimes it's not about the words. The real magic happens when instead of worrying about what you're going to say, you say, how can I be the prayer? I'm not here to talk about this anymore, Jesus might say. I'm here to show I'm only doing this for the, for the benefit of the people around. I also like it because it's a little bit funny because I can imagine Jesus going, some people aren't getting it. <clears throat> God, Dad, some people. I love that. I love that moment. Because the next thing that happens is he says, Lazarus, come out. That's all it takes That's all it takes is just that moment of going, God, thank you because I know you're here. I know you hear me. That's all it takes is whatever it takes you to get to that place where you go, oh, that's right. So many people feel so far from God, so far from what's important, so far from what's love or what's going to last. They feel far physically or they feel far in their hearts. They feel far in what they think about because they think they're supposed to think differently Monday through Friday, let's say or when they're around certain people, let's say. And people come to church and they read books about how can I get closer to God and how can I get this information in my heart, past my head, into my heart? How can I be in a place where God is? How can I get to my someday, in other words? But just like that beautiful, sweet, simple prayer, it's not about getting something to happen. It's about knowing what already is. Sometimes it's not about what I can bring down or conjure. You don't conjure God any more than you conjure gravity. God is. It's about waking up to something. Sometimes it's not about what you bring in. It's about what you let go. And there's that moment. He says, Lazarus, come out. Come on down. And this thing happens. We get to the bonus round. And Lazarus comes out. And then you know what happens next. We talk about it sometimes. It's, it's this great thing that happens. Jesus says a weird thing. He says, loose him and let him go. Well, why does he say that? Why does he say, loose him and let him go? I mean, think about it. It's not like they were doing dog pile on Lazarus. Guys, 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 I'll turn this car around. And it's not like Lazarus was trying to run away out in the yard. Lazarus is not my dog. So why say that weird thing? Why say let him go? As it turns out, it's so easy to see the big moment, the resurrection. Of course, it's beautiful and incredible, but it's so easy to see that, the fireworks, and forget that that's not even the most important part of the miracle. Because think about it, life happens all the time. You cut your finger, you don't have to make that heal. There's some magical thing that happens. God is happening, spirit is happening, biology is happening all at once to make that heal. If you break your heart, 
it happens. I'm sorry about that, but it happens. If you break your heart, you'll get better. You'll get over it. You start to breathe again. It works out. And in fact, it starts to work out, not when you force it, but when you finally, okay. The healing happens when you let the healing happen. And so the miracle is not life. Life is just all the time. The miracle is when you let go of that being the miracle. The miracle is when you go, yeah, I get it. Instead of this is a special isolated incident, life, and you begin to realize that life just is, just like God just is, just like gravity just is, just like love just is, God just is. That's that whole I am thing. God just is. And when we get to the place where we remember and we just let it go, something amazing happens. But you see, we're already good at letting go. I mean, if you've ever been around a little baby, there's that moment when you give them their toys or their food in the little high chair and they look at you and they just make it gone. <laughs> just daring you. You talking to me? You know what I mean? That wonderful moment with every little one. They do that because kids know about release. Kids know about trust. They're born with that. They don't learn doubt and mistrust and fear until much later. They're born with this idea of I'm okay with just here I am. And when you're a child, the, the miracle is expression. It's about, look, I'm bigger, I'm faster, I'm stronger. It's about letting something happen, letting go, showing, demonstrating, giving. That's the miracle of childhood. But by and by, as people quote-unquote grow up, the miracle goes, the demonstration goes from out to in. Adults are people who think about what they can get what they can bring to themselves. But I want you to know that when we go from release to grasping, we begin to die. If you want to learn how to be as a little child again, learn how to open your hands. Learn how to let go. Learn how to let it go. It's a popular children's movie as well. Maybe one of the reasons kids like it is because it resonates with something they already know. I don't know. But there's something beautiful about that. Think about your life. Think about the times when you felt the most free, the most authentic, the most you. Those are the moments when something got let go of. Think about maybe the graduation or the first time you sat in the car by yourself driving that car. Think about the, the first time you're like, wow, I can maybe love somebody or whatever it is. And there's those moments where there's incredible fear because it's a long way to fall, so to speak. But man, that payoff, the payoff of having your walk-in papers, the payoff of really being free, the payoff of release. Those are the moments when you're the most you. Those are the moments when you're the most in touch with God. That's the truth about you. And given that, it's so funny that when people set goals, they hardly ever set goals of, here's how I'm going to just be free, because that's what you want. I want to break free, just like the song says. When people set goals, it's always about, here are the things I'm going to get for myself, and I'm going to have this much money in the bank, and I'm going to get these people to pay attention to me, and this is the car that's going to be in my driveway, and it's just this thing, it's this grab. People, to quote Thoreau, bury themselves alive in their possessions like the pharaohs of old. The idea of he who dies with the most toys wins and all that. It's a cool bumper sticker, but it's a dumb way to live. Because you bury yourself alive in acquisition when your job is to let go. Think about who you really are. 
And so that moment of loose him and let him go is Jesus saying, remember to see the miracle and let it go. Don't get caught up in that one demonstration. It's so easy to make the golden calf and then immediately start worshiping the golden calf. It's amazing how easy it is to have a thing happen and start forgetting that God is the happening. You know what I mean? It's easy to get caught up in the golden calf, in the moment. And for some people, that becomes their religion. Maybe that's why religion gets a bad rap. You know what I mean? You want to upset me. There's a lot of ways. What, do you, what can I say? I'm a human being. You want to upset me. Walk up to me and say, you know, I'm not religious, but I am spiritual. <laughs> I don't carry pepper spray. And that's why, I think. I get it. It's a sweet thing to say. And I get it because a lot of people have been burned by religion. There are people who have done truly despicable things in the name of religion. Doesn't mean religion's bad. The thing that I always say is, you've gotten food poisoning in a restaurant. Doesn't mean restaurants are bad. Don't give up eating. And you are a lousy date if you're like, well, one time, so we can't ever go to a restaurant. Swipe. People say politics are bad, but the truth is anytime you want a large number of people to get a thing done, that's politics. That's all. And we got stuff to get done. Yes, it's true. There are some politicians who have done some nasty things, but if all the good ethical people get out of that game, then who wins that conversation? Don't quit doing it. Do it better. Don't quit going to restaurants. Wash your hands. Don't quit doing religion. Do it right. That's all. Here's the breakdown according to the dictionary. Spirituality is about how you feel. It's an intimate relationship. You and God, you and spirit, you and ultimate concern. Religion is about what you do. Spirituality is inside. Religion is outside. And I say you need both. There's this quote that went around on Facebook for a while. The lesson for me is to get off of Facebook. But you've probably seen it. I've seen different versions of it. Some very sweet, well-intentioned people have reposted it. And it goes something like, uh, something like, a religious person will do what they're told no matter what's right. And a spiritual person will do what's right no matter what they're told. Something like that. And once again, sounds good for a moment. But then you go, wait a minute. You know, Gandhi was super religious, right? You know, Jesus, pretty religious, right? You know, Martin Luther King, pretty religious. Are you telling me that these people are all like just going to do what they're told? That's kind of the opposite of what they did. People say, oh, well, I want to be open-minded. Well, you just made a statement about every single religious person that's pretty exclusive and closed-minded. Maybe we need to rethink that, guys. Religion without spirituality is action without intention, and it can lead to some ugly things. True. But spirituality without religion is just a bunch of people sitting behind a wall somewhere, gazing at their navels, and that's beautiful. But when you're removed from the world, you start looking at it in judgmental ways, and then you start posting dumb things on Facebook. We need both. Be spiritual. Feel something, and then do something about it. We need you to be religious and spiritual if we are to change the world. But here's the thing. Everybody is already religious. It's true. Don't post it, but it's true. 
Everybody's religious. If you feel a thing and you do a thing, that's religious. People are religious about if they like Kirk versus Picard, it's Picard. People are religious. People are religious about how pizza is supposed to be cooked. People are religious about a lot of things. And that's awesome. The world is a better place when people are passionate. I need dedicated dreamers and bulldog believers if we are to change the world. Yes. In fact, people change their religions many times throughout the course of their week, throughout the course of their day. There are people who are very Christian on Sunday morning for about an hour. Friday night, I'm kind of a pagan. And then Monday morning, I'm absolutely a capitalist. There's all kinds of things that people do. People can swap out religious sentiment all the time, and that's okay. But the truth is, everybody's religious all the time. Let's stop trying not to be and start being intentional about the religion that we espouse. Let love be your religion and watch what happens. In fact, the only time that people really aren't religious is when they're afraid. Think about it. If God is everywhere, then then when I'm afraid, I feel that solitude. When I'm afraid, I feel alone. When I'm afraid, I feel like I'm outside the bubble and the whole rest of the universe is in there. When I'm afraid, that's the only time I don't believe in anything. Fear is atheism. It's true. Now, I don't want you to beat yourself up about that. That's okay. Everybody has moments. It's okay to be afraid, like we said. Just don't live in the fear. Don't let it define you. Push through it. Feel the fear and do it anyway. There's a book with that title. It's okay if you have a moment of atheism. Because here's the thing. God is not slighted by that. We don't have the kind of God that gets his feelings hurt. Look, you know, you're on a diet, but you forgot. You had a cookie. You had a weak moment. Don't have another one. That's all. Come back to it. You got off the diet. Get back to it. You were an atheist for a minute, and then you go, oh, wait a minute, I remember, God's here. Okay, I don't have to be afraid anymore. I'm going to do the thing that I need to do anyway. I'm going to ask for the phone number. I'm going to ask for the raise. I'm going to step out on faith on this thing. Okay, take a minute. That's all. Don't beat yourself up about it, because that doesn't help either. The beautiful thing is that life is continually pushing us to moments where we are authentic. Life is continually pushing us to moments where we just can't be afraid anymore, one way or the other, easy way or hard way. Life is pushing us to moments of authenticity. That's the religion of the I am. Life will get you to that place where all that's left is I am. Thank God for those moments, man. And that happens the easy way or the hard way. And it's okay if that moment for you is a Lazarus moment where sometimes you've got to go away in order to come back. You've had those moments. I've had those moments. Life has those moments. It's okay if you've got to go away in order to come back. It's okay if for you to really live, some old part of you has got to really die. Jesus said, this does not end in death because death is the middle part of the story. It's okay if sometimes you say goodbye so that you can say hello, you know. This is the beginning of real freedom. And when you look at your life, huh, There's been so much practice. That's all. Look at your past. Great victories, great blunders. Okay. Straight and smooth road, curvy, bumpy road. Okay. The whole thing has been practice. Let us get to the place where we look at our life and we go, oh boy, practice. It's okay. It's okay. Look at your life and decide that I'm not going to dwell on it. I am going to let it go. Look, if you mess up, fix it. Don't do it that way anymore. 
Ask for forgiveness. Make it better. If you did a dumb thing, don't do it again. Two wrongs don't make a right, Mama said. If you mess up, don't mess up again. Jesus said, go and sin no more, which is a wonderful biblical way of saying, now quit it. He didn't say, from now on, this sin hath to find you. Go sit over there. None of that. You messed up. Don't mess up again. It's this wonderful Christian noogie of, come on now. You can do it better than that. I don't want Christian noogie written on anything. It sounds weird. (laughs) Hashtag. Thank you. Anyway. Look, decide how you want to define your life. Do you want to be defined by the mess-ups? Do you want to be defined by the mistakes? Do you want to be defined by the times you messed up? You can churn on that as long as you want, but all it does is make you feel further from God. Or you can decide it was practice and just do it different. Decide. Loose it and let it go. How do you measure your life? There are some people who measure their life by what comes in and the mistakes that that happen to them and the heartache and the heartbreak that happen to them and the possessions and the things that they want to happen to them and the achievements and the check off the to-do list moments and all of these things and life for them is just this moment of what can I bring in and it's just as exhausting as me talking about it. (sighs) People live their lives about what can come in but think about this with me. If God is here, then why am I worrying about bringing stuff to me? Doesn't that imply duality? Doesn't that imply distance? If God is here, I'm living like God isn't here when I'm trying to draw stuff to myself. This is not about attraction anymore. You're not a magnet. God is here. Stop trying to get stuff. Start trying to be something. Life is not about what comes in. If God is already your source, life is about what comes out. So the question becomes, what can I do about this? The question becomes, what can come through me to show the world? The question becomes, how can I love? You want to prosper? Learn how to give. You want to fall in love? Learn how to love. It's not about what gets to you because God is already here and as long as I'm thinking about what comes in, I'm acting like he's not here. That's the deal. That's right. We've had a lot of great great questions. Here's the last one. This is it. The last one in this series. Next week is a new series of talks. The question for today, and in some ways the question through the whole thing, is where is God? Where is God? Ask yourself that question. Where is God? When you have those moments when you feel sick or hurt or afraid, ask yourself, where is God? Where is God? Because that is the wake-up question. That is the homecoming question when you can go, oh, wait a minute, I'm so alone and I'm so angry and I'm so afraid. And you go, wait a minute, where is God in this? And I'm not saying it's like flicking the switch, but if you begin to remember that, wait a minute, God, I thank you that you hear me always. Then every word is a prayer, and maybe I'm going to start praying with different words. Maybe I don't have to come from the alone place anymore. Where is God? When you're in traffic and you're mad at that person in front of you who is undoubtedly posting something on Facebook about how they're spiritual and not religious, and that's, not, that's why they're not looking, 
You can get mad for a moment, then go, wait a minute, wait a minute. Oh, where's God in this? Because if God is here, I behave differently. If God is here, then something different has to happen. And I love that because every kid knows the answer to that. When you say, where is God? They say, God is everywhere and God is here. Be like that little kid. Stop worrying about what's coming to you and start working on how to let it go. Miracles happen all the time. Let them go so that you can make room for the next one. You've got to let Lazarus go so that Easter can happen, if you know what I mean. It's time for yours. It's time for your resurrection. I don't know what happened to you, but I want you to know that, that it's okay. I don't know what happened to you, but I know that, that you are forgiven by God. And if it means anything to you, the people in this room are a part of your family now. They don't care either. Maybe that's enough to start with. There's a little family here. And maybe you've got lots of little families. Thank God for those. But all of those people and our Father just want you to be okay. Let it go. Where is God in all of this? Nothing else matters, man. Practice the presence and set everything else free. Because after all, freedom is a choice. Thank you. So here we are, final question. It culminates in all of it. Where is God? Yeah. Um, this was huge for me because this is where all of this stuff has to happen. It really is. It's kind of the question we've been asking all along. And on the other end of it, the answer to all of these questions in one way or another is the I am. Because as you remember from the very first uh, lesson in this series, the concept of the I am is this is the name of God that is beyond space and time and yet in intimately involved with every moment of space and time. The I am is right here and now and always and transcendent, the whole thing, because we get to that place of it just is. Mm -hmm. So when you think about the questions, like, who do you think you are? It's one of the first questions. And on and on and on. The, the answer is right here and now and forevermore, right? That's really what we're saying. And so the idea of really getting to the bottom of what you do right now, is a religious assertion. Like I said during the talk, everybody's religious all the time. It's a question of what are you religious about? It drives me crazy when people say they aren't. I've talked about it on the podcast. I talked about it during the lesson and so on and so forth. What are you religious about? And if your religious assertion of the moment is, for example, panic, fear, dread, anger, hatred, separation, ask yourself, is this the kind of God thought I want to have? Because your manifestation, your miracle is absolutely mediated by, brought up or brought down by, how big your God thought is. So when you're asking yourself, where is God? What you're really saying is, this anger, is this really where God is for me? Well, and I think that that's so powerful. And that was my takeaway too. If You know, it's... It's really easy to do your affirmations and do mm -hmm. your prayer times. And I say easy, you know, because we, I, I think we become so, I don't know, it becomes habitual. And sure. so it's like, you know, you, you quick do your, your prayer and you quick do whatever you need to do. And you're like, all right, checked off the list. Now I can go about the business of actual yeah, life. It's true. And, and it, it happens that way. 
So for me, as I was sitting there listening to you talk about it, it occurred to me that instead of, you know, falling back on the rote and everything like that, it is a quick snap reminder of, oh, wow, would you be behaving this way if you remembered that God is everywhere? Yeah, I mean, you're supposed to act it's, nice when grandma's in the room for right, Pete's sake. Right, exactly. I mean, but, but, if, but if, you know, and not to, not to make God into this, you know, person or place or thing that's watching you. You're not supposed to be scared. You. It's not no, no, enough. no, that's watching you. So, you, you know, you don't want to upset, you know, you don't want to upset him or anything like that. So that, that's not what I'm talking about. But my personal behavior, it kind of reflects back and like, oh, wow, would you be really scared about this bill getting paid if you really remembered that God is everywhere? Absolutely. Well, of course you wouldn't. And... It's a perspective it's, moment, it, right? It, yeah. it really is. And so I think it's a really, really nice way of just reminding each other. And so be aware that if you come at me with something <laughs> uh, in in the middle of a fight, I might whip this out and go, where's God? I'm at where's peace God? with that. You no, know? <laughs> I, and I think that we all need a reminder. Just as you said, I think sometimes it is road. I think when you first are driving a car, you're watching the mirrors. Your eyes are darting. You make sure your hands are at the ten and two or whatever. You're doing the all radio's the, off. You're yeah. not. You know. You yeah. don't eat in your car. You know. All that yeah, stuff. Yeah. Exactly. But by and large, I think every person who's driven for more than a couple of years, every adult, has gotten to a place where they get home and they go, you know, I don't remember a single moment of how I got here. Right. Time travel. You yeah. Know? You're and just it's all up in you your get head. So yeah. used to it. And I think that a lot of life is that way. If you ask anybody, every child in Sunday school knows the answer to where is God is. God is everywhere and God is right here. This is not something that's that we came up with. Just one of those things. But what does that really mean? Where does that really live? And if you can center back around the idea that, wait a minute, God is here and that means that this is important. Not because I'm afraid that God's going to do something mean to me. Not because I'm going to offend God. God isn't slighted by what you do, but... And not because I am a horrible person or, you know, I yeah, mean... like I don't deserve I, him to yeah, come it, over. It, yeah. yeah, exactly. Well, and and I have to say, you know, we're we're all growing. We're all learning. We all make mistakes. And, you know, I'm sorry. I'm a big advocate of, you know what? You can be angry in that moment. There are sometimes... I'll walk into the kitchen after I've cleaned it mm -hmm. and there are crumbs on the countertop and by God, if, if somebody <laughs> was standing there, they would they would catch it, you mm -hmm, know? Sure. I mean, in the ultimate concerns you, of life, yeah. crumbs on the counter is not, you know, earth shattering. It's not going to kill anybody. Do you put spices on the thing you're cooking from three feet above? Right? Like are, you, yeah. are you dunking it in? Uh, how, are, <laughs> how are you getting it and all Shaquille over the kitchen? Shaquille O'Neal came by and, and used the pepper. And just like, yeah. I think, no, I think they're doing like a whirling dervish dance is what I think. And they're just like throwing stuff up like confetti. You know, I don't know what happens. Happened. I don't know what happened. But I, I am a, I am an absolutely an advocate for feeling your feelings and being there in the moment. However, you know is in the bigger things of life is it is absolutely appropriate to take a breath and go okay where's god mm -hmm. and if god is in your messy kitchen okay fine you know that if god is if god is there so you don't murder your children i think that that's probably a good thing well you know i think that <laughs> well yes i think that you know this brings it all the way back around to what we were talking about at the top of this with geniuses because you know genius comes from the same root as the word genie 
Mm-hmm. And it's the idea that there's this magic spark that is beyond physical explanation. Mm-hmm. And that's where wishes come from and right. go to. And so the idea is if you think about those stories of, you know, the genies, the, the thing of it always is you have to be careful with what you wish for. Because if you wish and you don't really cover all the bases or you don't use the right words or you're not paying attention, for example, you can end up wishing for something that, that doesn't do what you want it to do that gets you into trouble. And that's kind of the nucleus of a lot of those genie stories. Well, it's not because God is angry with you or because you don't deserve it or because God is a fragile ego or any of that stuff. What it is is you are in the presence of the charm of making. Mm -hmm. Adam and Eve are told what you name a thing is what it will be for you. So in other words, when we say where is God, part of the idea is what you decide to think about things, how you label events and characters and situations of the story of your life determines what gets created next. And so pay attention to where God is because if you go jerk about that person, well, you've just empowered them to continue being a jerk in their life. That's how you read them. Right. That's how they are given the power to behave and so on. If you if you see poverty, sickness, death, error all the time, how do you expect this miracle to happen? Right. Where because, is God? Because you get what you practice. Mm-hmm. And that that's the deal. If you had some kind of a, a you know a genie in the room that would grant the wish of everything you said, you'd be awful careful. Well, in a way, yeah, that's you would what be very thoughtful. About. You would you would take a minute to think about what you were asking for, and everybody knows the you know the the lessons of oh you know make sure that you're thinking about this because you know the genie's out to get you. But <laughs> but and and not that that's what is going on here, but it is important to take a minute. It absolutely is, and so I loved I loved the final question. I have adored this series as a whole. I think it's really really neat. Um, you know the the eight times that Jesus said I am, and so if you're listening and this is the first time that you're listening, go back the last seven episodes and go from the start because you have done such a masterful job of taking us from the very beginning of a, of a of a simple concept into the ultimate question and the ultimate answer. And so, you know, bravo to you. That was, <laughs> that was really, honestly, very, very, very nice. Well, thank you very much. The thing that I wanted to leave people with is just this. Every thought, every word is a prayer, and every prayer is answered. Now we want to just give you a little bit of info. And again, congratulations if you have not turned off the podcast at this point. <laughs> and if you're still listening to us ramble on, we'll listen just for a couple more minutes because we'd like to let you know about stuff that's going on through our church. Right. And there's an awful lot of stuff. You know that. So we'll go fast. The best way to find out what we're doing is by going to our website, waterandstonechurch.com. There, there's a calendar, there's an events page, there's amazing stuff that you can find out about it. There's links to all of our social networks. If you scroll down to the bottom of any page of waterandstonechurch.com, there's links to Facebook and YouTube and Instagram and Twitter and so on. Take a minute and subscribe to our YouTube channel. It's a great way to see all of the things that are going on. But speaking of YouTube... This day, my cooking show, my spiritual, my cooking show with a spiritual twist, mm-hmm. I guess it is. Yeah. Um, we have grown into our own channel. It That's is, awesome. it is absolutely grown into its own little 
venture over on the side. Mm-hmm. And so, yes, we are still affiliated with the church. But if you go to Water and Stone, you'll see that one of the channels that Water and Stone follows is my channel. And you can also find my playlist on waterandstonechurch.com. Go ahead and subscribe to this day YouTube channel as well as the Water and Stone Church YouTube channel. Absolutely. And along with that, there's all kinds of things. There's service projects. There's there's uh, meetings during the week. There's a men's group and a women's group and a sunrise and a sunset and just just all kinds of things. And go to the website, follow us on Facebook or text. I am ready. I-A-M-R-E-A-D-Y. I am ready. All one word to eight. Four five seven six, and if you do that, if you text "I am ready" to eight four five seven six, you'll be you'll be in the loop. Once or maybe twice a week, there's a little message we send out that basically says, "Here's what's going on next." Sometimes we use it for emergency uh, communications. Hey, the parking lot's closed. Go park over here. That kind of thing. It's super easy. It's free. It's the best way to stay in the loop. And the final and best way to be a part of what we're doing is to come and see us on a Sunday morning. We have Sunday services Mm -hmm. every Sunday, 11 a.m., and we meet at USF St. Pete Harbor Hall. And the address there is 1000 3rd Street South. So come by and visit us. It is such a beautiful family. I'm so thrilled and so proud of how we have grown. We've only been a church for five months now, Mm -hmm. and we have grown so much. So I just come and be a part of it. It is absolutely amazing. This podcast is recorded at Pinfeather Studios on the comfy orange couch. And the zippity doo day of Pinfeather Studios is the handsome and strong Raina Randolph. She edits these podcasts, does so many things for us, and she is one half of the music that you hear. The other half is the lovely and talented Miles Randolph. This podcast is solely supported by you. And there are so many things that that means. There are so many ways that you can support us and help us keep the lights on around here. You can go to our website, waterandstonechurch.com. There's a donate page where you can see how to give electronically, how to shop at Amazon in a way that helps support what we're doing. And we encourage you to do all of those kinds of things. We encourage you to share what we're doing with people, to retweet it or like it on Facebook, to subscribe to our YouTube channel, to do those kinds of things. But the best thing that you can do is just show up. Be there for one of our men's groups or women's groups. Be there for our service project. And most of all, be there on a Sunday morning at 11 o'clock. There is nothing like it in the world.